Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to part two of our wonderful chat with Tori Peters. Now then, if you haven't heard part one, go back to the feed, click on it, have a listen there, and then come back and listen to part two here, which I will introduce now. Here it is. One of the things that I love about the book and I love about you is your honesty and the and the mischief just jumps off the page. And I think I've, I, I interpret that as the mischief of like, look, I just said it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just said this thing. But the title has been discussed a lot, Detransition Baby. Was there mischief and purpose in that title? Yeah, I, I want to say, like, I think a lot of the mischief is is has to do with the fact that I hope I hope that people feel that underneath the mischief is like real compassion, and that what that we're like in this moment where you learn a lot of like dogma about what can be said or what can't be said, and mm-hmm. the idea is to sort of like take ideas that are important and and defamiliarize them or, or be provocative about these ideas, so that you know if if someone says trans women are women, like that's like a dogmatic you know kind of like slogan that is true. And it's like extremely important, but you hear it and it becomes a cliche. It slides off of your ears. You know, what does that actually mean? How does it mean? And so if you can mm. sort of say these things from like unexpected angles, then number one, it's fun. And that's where the mischief comes from is to like, you know, speak to somebody from an unexpected place, like sort of popping up behind their couch to be like, Hey, you know, <laughs> then, then it's like, that's that's entertaining but also i think it's also effective rhetorically like you know it Mm -hmm. it causes people to reframe things so in the case of detransition baby the title you know there are people who are offended by it and i i feel bad that those people are offended because i don't want to hurt anybody but part of what i'm and there's like a series of puns or sort of like non-puns in that title you know like the idea of appending baby to something like hasta la vista baby or, or you've come a long way baby (laughs) is like this convention that like what happens when you put it onto something that is sort of nonsensical. Like, like if you picture like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger been like detransition baby, like it's like, what, (laughs) what, you know? So there's that. It's also extremely short description of the plot. There's a detransition, there's a baby. And I have one yes. like really heartfelt thing that I say about it, which is that, you know, the comma is like the knife's edge of trans existence, that if you could just have the legitimacy of having a baby and being a mother, that's that'd be great. If you could convince yourself that it's fine to live as a man, that would be easier. But instead, you're sort of poised on the knife edge for your entire life. Mm-hmm. And so the, the title um, 
you know, kind of creates that. But the real thing that is the core of this answer is the word detransition, it, it being it being this word that has been weaponized by sort of anti-trans groups. Mm. And so that, you know, if I say the word detransition, it feels to people like an attack. Just the word mm. is an attack because of where it's, how it's been. But I, I basically, I use it because in this sort of, I guess, mischief, mischief mischievous or, um, you know, provocative way, let's reframe the question of who really owns this word. You know, in order mm-hmm. to 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 detransition, you have to have first transitioned, which means you've gone through a period of this kind of experience. The people who weaponize it, and there are detransitioners who should have an absolute, you know, that's their word. Um, but I also think the word belongs to trans women in that it looms for trans women. You, you know, mm-hmm. the, when life is hard for trans women, they don't detransition because they were wrong about their gender. They had regrets about their gender. They detransitioned because life is hard. The, all the all the trans women I know detransitioned have, have been that way. But what ends up happening is if you can't talk about detransition, then as what as we talked about before, it becomes a site of shame. Like you mm-hmm. detransition, you had a community, and then you become ostracized from it. You know, it's like mm. that that person is dangerous to us. That person mm. gives, you know, evidence to the lie that trans women are or trans people are crazy who are constantly changing their body. So we have to like eject that person from our world. Yeah. Mm. de it, normalizing it, throwing it around as a casual word, as I do in my title, in a nonsensical way, like detransition, baby. That's the most casual usage of it that I could, you know, that you could possibly have. Mm. Um, well, probably you could come with something even more casual, but it's pretty casual. And if you transition, duh, <laughs> yeah, duh. Yeah. So, um, so there's, uh, once it becomes casual, then you can talk about it. Right. And then you mm. can talk about things like regret. You can talk about all these different ideas and it shouldn't be such a painful thing to say. It shouldn't be such a painful thing to consider. And if it's not painful to consider Number one, it's harder to weaponize. And number mm. two, it makes life easier. Like instead of being like nobody ever regrets transitioning, that's not true. People regret transitioning. Why they regret it is a big question. And also whether regret is so bad is another question. Like, mm. you know, what I often say is like you can move across the country for a job and it doesn't work out, but nobody says Let's never talk about moving across the country for a job. Let's pretend that it's that that's not something that exists. Moving across the country for a job that exists, and if you move if you move across the country for a job, it will always a hundred percent work out. And if it mm-hmm. and if it doesn't, you're banished from from society. Like that's that's an unreasonable thing to talk about if you're talking about something like moving across the country for a job. Transition is similar. You took a chance for all sorts of reasons. Maybe it didn't work out. Maybe your family rejected you. Maybe you couldn't get work. Maybe you were uh, sad. Maybe actually it wasn't even quite the gender place that you wanted to land and you wanted to be non-binary or whatever. Why are we stigmatizing that? You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, and, and why are we pretending that it does, that that experience doesn't belong to us or people that we care about? So, um, you know what seems mischievous in that title, like using a using a word that shan't be spoken, is in fact a, a thing where it's like the fact that we can't speak about this is hurting us, 
And so I'm going to start out by speaking about it extremely casually. And then you can read the book and start to see the like emotional resonance and core about why actually the ability to use a word casually is, is crucial to me. It's crucial to the way that I see the world. So uh, Ames, one of the main characters in the book, is the person who has detransitioned. Ames did it because, like you just spoke about, because it was too hard, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's it's baked into what this book is about as well. Is it, the reaction coming from people saying that you haven't detransitioned, therefore you can't speak about it? Well, some people have certainly said that. Um, mm. You know, the, most critiques of me I've heard from one, one. If it's been possible to complain about me, I've, I've heard it so far with this book. So that has been one thing I've heard. But, you know, that also doesn't, it has not generally been detransitioners who are like, you're speaking on our behalf and we don't want you to. It is people who've never transitioned. It is largely bigots who are like, who have figured out a kind of like rhetorical stance around the idea of authenticity who are, you know, like, oh, they're mad. They're like, well, we can't talk about it. So therefore, Tory can't talk about it either. You know, and, and this mm -hmm. happens with, with any number of like identity positions around the questions of who can and can't speak. And, and um, I think a certain bigoted conservative stance is around uh, disingenuously and in bad faith trying to use hmm. the arguments of who can and can't speak against the people who normally wield them. But suffice to say, I don't really hmm. – I, I recognize a bad faith argument for what it is, uh, and I don't really care. The question is if a detransitioner came to me and said – my experience is vastly different than Ames. And I feel that you've misrepresented detransition and the possibilities of detransition. I would take that person seriously. I, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. I, I might have things to say to them about this book never claimed to represent the experience of all detransitioners, but I think that that person has uh, a legitimate life experience that I can consider. I would also say that, as a trans woman, I think detransition looms for me. I've had experiences that are, you know, moments in my life where I've, I've come close to wanting to detransition. And that, you know, Ames is in some way a, a logical extension of what, it, of sort of like, what if I did that? And I deserve. Path for you. Yeah, yeah. I deserve to have those thought experiments. But the people who largely say you can't talk about detransition because you're not a detransitioner they're bigots who want me to shut up and they've come across a uh, convenient argument. Uh, and that's... Well, there's no chance of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's really, yeah, because, but also what I'm thinking as you're speaking, I'm just like, well, uh, you know, there's such little on the whole compassion for those who want to transition. Let's not take away compassion from people who want to detransition. Like, you know, the only parallel I can draw is like when I came out, like yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just like, I think this is what I'm at. But what, you know, to add into that, well, you better, you better stick with it. Why? You know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm having a book event with uh, a writer named Carrot Quinn. She wrote Freight Trains Across the Country and she has this great book and sort of like the style of like uh, Cheryl Strayed's um, Wild, like, you know, hiking that long oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah. But instead of hiking, it's it's hopping freight trains back and mm. forth across the country. Carrot uh, is somebody who uh, transitioned, 
female to male, trans masculine, transitioned, decided it wasn't for Carrot and transitioned back and is sort of like, you know, in a place of gender weirdness. And I was talking to Carrot yesterday and um, Carrot was like, actually my gender is the least interesting thing about me. And I, you know, I wrote this <laughs> book and like gender really isn't even part of this book um, because it actually doesn't trouble me that much. And mm. uh, I'm, I, I'm fine. I'm doing great. And I've gone through this whole transition process and this detransition process. And it's not actually a traumatizing thing, right? Like, mm. It's actually a boring thing for Carrot. Like Carrot has a million <laughs> other things to think about. It's you know this idea that like oh you transition and you did then you do transition and you're the, all you have left was like the tatters of your life around you and meaninglessness because you've gone through this like you know some sort of gauntlet of horror uh, to try yeah. you know actually people can just transition and then they can detransition or they can find a cool place and like it can be a not that big a deal like it can just be a small thing which is it seems mm. to be for Carrot. It's also that feels like that's someone speaking from the inside looking out rather than the narratives we put on are often from the outside looking in exactly. of like, oh, that must be horrible for you. Well, hang on a sec, you know, is it? Yeah. And actually, when you say that as well, like I'm reminded of Mickey Blanco, who was a previous guest on this podcast and Mickey was transitioning and then decided that they didn't want to. Um and I, th I think I've got this right. And, you know, it's always an evolving discussion, but partly because the the conversation about what they could be was evolving, you know, like, yeah, they were like, I, I think I remember them saying, like, you know, I actually realized, like, I was this fabulous person. I didn't need to go and start yeah. cutting myself up. And I actually was them. And I was doing it for other people in some respects so that I could fit into a box for other people. Right. And then there's people like me, you know, which is like all, all things can be true at once. Like I'm, I am mm. what people call like a binary trans woman. And that like, I feel, I feel very connected to my womanhood and I needed it. And I have, in some ways I feel so connected to my womanhood that on the far side of that, I can almost let it go a little bit. Like I'm so casual in my womanhood that I'm like, I don't, you know, I used to be like really high femme these days. I'm like, it, it actually feels so womanhood feels so intrinsic to me that I can kind of like let go of it a little because it's just there for me. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because that can look to an outsider, like I'm moving back towards masculinity, but th that's actually not the case. I'm, mm. I've just chilled out, you know? <laughs> and so, so someone like Mickey Blanco, who's, who's, who's maybe doesn't feel like, that gender presentation could look very much like mine. Although what's actually happening internally are two totally different things. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yes, and you reminded me as well of like you, you said two things which were really fascinating, which was from across the other side of the fence, it can look like cis women know what they're doing with femininity. And then you arrive there and you're like, okay, no one fucking knows. It's yeah. as difficult. F- uh, female identity is as difficult for cis women as it is for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's something I've, that is in is really the connection between Katrina and Reese in the book is around failure. It's around fa- failing as a woman um, in all mm. these different ways, and the ways that, like, lots of times you can build bridges in womanhood and in femininity is along lines of failure, along lines of feeling like, oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I must not be doing it right, and then you can kind of like bond with people. Like the the books that that I read when I was writing *The Transition Baby* were largely books by divorced cis women, which I read partly because they described failure so well. They, and I was like, <laughs> I feel like I'm failing. And here's all these books by, you know, like, like the, the Ferrante series felt just like a revelation to me because I was like, the failure that Ferrante describes as a woman feels so much like my failure. And this, wow. and I have, what ends up happening is that like, I discovered my womanhood and, and the ways in which a commonality to my womanhood and a comfort in my womanhood, not around doing it right, but about doing it wrong with all these other women, that we were all doing it mm. wrong together. And that's what made us women. And, and, that, <laughs> that, and that's why I dedicated the book to, to, to divorce cis women was, you know, in, in a sort of superficial way, it's the way I say is like, okay, there's an arc that trans women and divorced cis women go through where it's like, my life looks a certain way for a certain time. And then there's a break or a failure and you have to move forward without either getting bitter or reinvesting in the illusions that brought you to that failure in the first place. And that's, that's a sort of narrow version of it, but the expanded version of it is divorce with cis women is one very obvious way in which women are said to fail. And I have a lot of kinship with the particular failures of, of, Mm -hmm. of womanhood that that's, how I make friends. It's the closest relationships I have with women. And in this book, you know, motherhood, similarly, the connections around motherhood is that all the different ways that mothers are told that they fail, that they're not raising their kid right, that they're putting their kid in danger. Here's all the ways that you're not a good mom. And that when you hear moms talk, they're not bonding over like, I'm an excellent mother and you are an excellent mother too. You know, like let's, let's have our excellent mother club. It's like, things are hard. I made this mistake. How can I make it better? How can I, how can we help each other out? How can we do it? It's like failure is, is the, is the glue. Yes. And fear of failure is the glue. And and also a lack of diverse role models for what that is. Right. Cause you've spoken about, you called it the sex in the city problem. Yeah. It was that when I was watching Sex and the City, the problem was that uh, 
when, as you, you have your twenties and your twenties are fun, but as you get to, you know, your thirties and, and youth is fading and you're looking for how do you find meaning as a woman in your life, there's sort of four models that are embodied by the four sex in the city characters. You know, you can, you can get married and be a Charlotte. You can have a baby and be a Miranda. You can have a career and be a Samantha, or you can find meaning in like sort of art and expressing yourself and be a Carrie. Mm who also also, you know, in the end gets married, but there's two points to this. One is that I think those are sort of narrow ways and that every generation ends up inventing, reinventing these narrow sort of ways of finding meaning. And then the other thing is that for trans women, it's aspirational to even be able to do these narrow ways of doing things. Mm. You know, it's only my generation as trans women who can begin to sort of aspire to this, to these narrow roles so I'm both trying to make fun of the narrowness of the roles and be like, maybe there's ways to expand this. And also to say these narrow roles are nonetheless quite comforting and are a place that I inspire, I aspire to be in. But yeah, that's, they're safe. They're safe. Yeah. And they telegraph as well. They telegraph an accepted version of femininity. Mm-hmm. So by diving into them and concealing yourself in them, I have a, a version of that with masculinity, then you can feel safe. And then you're like, oh, but hang on, I'm continuing tropes that are disruptive. Yeah. Right. It's really interesting. And then may not actually be, I mean, that's sort of like the balance that I'm always interested in is to not, is to not necessarily be uncompromising about what we want. Sometimes we want bad things, but not necessarily always compromise either to that. We live in a balance between like, I want the safety of these tropes while also knowing that these tropes are not perfect, you know, and mm. that that's a, that's a balance, you know, cause I think you could, you could say these tropes are stupid. I'm burning it all to the ground, but that also isn't quite true to me, which is that the safety of those tropes, the safety of those roles has an allure. It has a, a pull. Yeah. But, and, and, but they also have a pull that I feel like this, this is what I feel like. And the thing about parenting as well, like they have a pull I'm just, I just find it annoying that it has to be assigned to a gender, you know, like, why does the dad have to be the protective, strong, silent one? Why does the woman have to be the nurturing, kind one? Or, you know, I'm generalizing, but like, I'm really looking forward to being a parent and trying to be, trying to be the, weirdly, the person who gives the femininity. And I think that that's beautiful. And, And that's the thing that I think is the bit that I find tricky um, and I suppose that's big in the book because these three people are working ar- about how they're going to parent a child. Yeah. Well, first off, congratulations to you that you're considering it. That's like a huge Thanks. step. Thank you. Um, yes. What I'll I'm say to as that much is, sleep as I can. is that <laughs> I think there's what people want personally and there's what you can do in society. Like I, I think about this with marriage. I always thought with my first marriage that I would invent my marriage for myself, that I would be stronger than the institution, right? That I would, mm-hmm. I would, yes, marriage would be whatever too. I want it to be. <laughs> and that my, my example of what happened is I was the first time, uh, my first marriage it was before I transitioned and I was married to a woman. And the first time I went out, you know, after I was married, someone was like, well, where's Olive? You know? And I was like, listen, I'm not Olive's keeper. Olive does whatever she wants. She can go, you know, like we don't have a marriage where she, where we have to be together all the time. Like, what are you thinking? And then, you know, by the 10th time I got tired of making that speech when someone was like, where's, where's Olive? And I was like, I don't know. She's somewhere. And, you know, by the hundredth time, someone was like, where's Olive? And I was like, yeah, where's Olive? 
you know? <laughs> and it was like the institution pushes you to become something, you know, by in a million little ways every day that you can't always be on guard for, mm. that you can't always be uh, aware of. And this is the, this fatherhood is similarly an institution, right? Where you can have an intention of, I want to offer feminine beauty. Your child goes to, to school every day and says, and, you know, kids are like, well, what does your dad do? And you, you get asked these questions and then you don't want to necessarily always be telling your kid, like, you know, maybe you want to have a nice time with your kid, not necessarily be like, listen, there's gender roles and I'm subverting them. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes you just want to be like, let's play on the swings. Right. But that yes, little moment, takes- that little moment is also a moment in which you're capitulating to that role. And so the, for me, that the, the question of something like fatherhood or motherhood and these subversions is like, is about an understanding that I'm never going to be able to wholly defeat these institutions. I can only mm. sort of like have like a sort of ebb and flow of battle within them and like come to a place of comfort in like, you know, if someone expects me to be a mother or someone, you know, asks you to be a father that you can do your best to be intentional. And at the same time, I mean, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm sure you're aware of all this. Please but, do. God, yeah. I need some instructions. <laughs> but, that, that, but yes. Yeah. You know, that, I know what you mean. Yeah. And it's really funny because actually I was having a conversation with my husband the other week because we'd been a, and he he started, we'd been around some people who were a couple who would sort of do this kind of like, yes, dear thing to each other. As if like, oh, the other person's really boring because we've known each other for so long. And he did it to me when I got home. And this may, might make me really irritating and unrelaxed, but he did it to me. And I was like, just so you know, we're not going to do that. Like, we're yeah. not going to be that couple who find each other boring. I just think I don't want because yeah. we're playing a role. Yeah. I don't find you boring. You don't find yeah. me boring, as far as I know. <laughs> so you know, don't do it. But um, you just made me think of something that you said because what we're talking about is so many complex things. But actually, in in parenting, I heard you say the other day that you now have a stepson, right? And yes. You said, oh, he's not, you know, you're talking about gender and all of these complex ideas. And you're like, but he's actually not doing any of that queer stuff. So I need to just actually not shut up about it, you said. But something like, you know, it's it's just sort of, in some ways, none of that's interesting to him at this yeah, point in time, right? It's not. And, and what he wants from me is, um, you know, like I have certain skill sets that, are, that maybe don't even accord to my current gender. You know, like I grew up. You know, um, I, I grew up in Chicago, but we went up to like Michigan uh, and I spent time in the woods growing up. And so I have like some like camping and wood skills that are like definitely coded masculine, like, like here's how to sharpen <laughs> a hatchet or whatever. And, um, and you know, like uh, my stepson, that's what he wants from me. And so there's a way yeah. in which I'm like, his mom doesn't know how to sharpen a hatchet. So it's like, well, I guess we're doing uh, hatchet sharpening today. And I, yeah. in some ways it's like, well, is hatchet sharpening really a gendered skill, you know, all this sort of stuff. And I could say all these things about, you know, sharpening hatchet should be a non-gendered <laughs> ability. But I know that when Gray goes to school and like tells his friend, like my stepmom Tori taught me how to sharpen a hatchet and like, you know, beta fish hook and like all of these important knots, they're going to be like, is Tori like a Boy Scouts leader? Like what is, <laughs> like what's up yeah. with Tori? And, uh, <laughs> and like, you know, I can protest all of you know, So it's like at some point life gets, you know, um, 
it's like my individual connection with Gray is my stepson is 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 in the end what I prioritized. Yeah, and actually, in a way, what we're asking for, or what I feel I'm asking for, is like, can we get rid of all this gender assignment of any kind of task or feeling or or anything? And in some ways, that's what you're doing, and in a in a silent way. And if if people want to ask that question let them that's yeah. the future right <laughs> i mean basically you know i'm sure all his friends parents are like also like you seem like a great boy scout leader and <laughs> will you take <laughs> our kids and i have to be like i literally was about to yeah. say they're all gonna get sent around yeah it's like well okay you know just the, and and that <laughs> that instead of i mean i think at a certain point in my life i would have been insulted by it and now i just think it's like you know kind of hilarious that like that that you you do this gender stuff long enough and it's all funny. <laughs> I could have spoken to Tori for literally 2,000 years. It's really interesting listening to someone who has done so much kind of thinking and beautiful internal research, I suppose, about the meanings of gender and the shackles of gender and I just thought that was such a fascinating chat. So funny. All that stuff about the Kardashians and things is just very, very interesting. And um, didn't even get onto some stuff that I wanted to talk to her about. But I feel like she's going to be back. Um, I really hope so. Hope you loved that as well. Please write in and let us know what you thought. It's hello at homosapienspodcast.com and at homosapiens on Instagram. If you want to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, please do we live for those reviews and we give away a t-shirt to our favorite review of the week thank you so much for listening everybody take care and a load of love to you all bye now even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Powered by Spirit Studios.